We welcome you to the media ministries of the Gathering Church in the Countryside YMCA of Mainville. As we love the Lord and each other, we're trusting that God would use us to plant a church in every YMCA around the world. To this end, would you join us? We meet on Sundays at 10 a.m. and in community groups throughout the week. As you listen to this resource, our prayer is that your love for Jesus would grow deep and your love for others would be seen and heard. Would you open your Bibles with me? We, uh, when we chose Daniel as elders to, to preach through, uh, we chose it for a couple reasons. One, because of all the mess going on. Hey, let's look at the life of Daniel and let's learn how to live in this Babylon-like world, right? That was a big purpose. Uh, another purpose was, hey, with all the mess going on in this world, are we in the last days? Is Jesus coming back? Let's get some prophecy in us. And so let's not just go through Daniel 1 through 6, but let's look at the whole book of Daniel and let's look at, at how God has given a specific prophecies to his people, and, um, and let's, let's talk about the times that were happening back then, the times that were prophesied back then that have already happened, and then let's talk about some things according to the scriptures that will yet to be happened. Is that how you say it? That will still yet to occur, or however. Um, but uh, when, we, when we chose this book, um, what I did... Uh, as, as the teaching elder here, is that I went to chapter 9. I put my finger on verse 24. I opened up my Google calendar and found Palm Sunday and said, we're doing 924 on Palm Sunday. And then we backed up. We planned backwards to start the book, however it went from there. And then we planned forwards, however it went from there. So um, next week, we're going to be in 9, 24 to the end of the chapter on Palm Sunday. If you're familiar with the scriptures, you'll know why, but I'll leave you hanging for now. Um, but for this Sunday, we're going to be in the first part of Daniel 9, so 1 through 23, uh, which is often overlooked when uh, theologians or commentaries or people think about Daniel 9. They immediately jump to verse 24, but there are some beautiful uh, treasures in 9 through uh, 9 1 through 23 about Daniel's time in the word and then his prayer to the Lord and then we're going to see the Lord answer prayer in this passage and it's going to be awesome so um, just to kind of set us up um, let me just tell a quick story in the year 2006 some of you weren't born yet um, but in year 2006, a little company was started known as Twitter. Anyone ever heard of it? I know. The idea was this. Imagine this. Let's, let's make a short like messaging service for groups. Now, let's make it free to the public. And, and let's allow users to share their ideas in a short, quick manner so that they can update this this group of people and all they have to do in its early years was just to text a single number to 40404 that's how it started and then uh, over the years 
it became uh, one of the one of the chief social media uh, platforms for the world, where there's thousands and thousands of people following certain individuals. Why? I think it's because essentially you could get a short text from a really famous person, right? Like if you wanted to follow so-and-so, if you wanted to get a text from you just subscribe to their text message where they text 404040 whatever now it's following and it's advanced but you would you would hear from them personally and get get an idea of their daily sometimes hourly thoughts on what was going on in their life but uh, as time went on and as i'm sure some of you are on twitter or instagram or facebook or whatever you see that um, as you follow these individuals, um, do you really get to know them? Like, how, how can you get to know someone when they tweet 40 characters alone or whatever it is now? Um, do you really know them? For believers, I would say um, prayer is is the most vulnerable thing when it comes to knowing someone. If you really want to get to know someone, you find out what they're praying for, what they're talking about to the Lord, what they're giving to the Lord. In youth terms, what they're eating, right? Mm -hmm. In Daniel chapter 6, we saw Daniel praying. We saw him open up the windows, we saw him face east, and, and we just saw him praying, right? We didn't quite capture his content, but we knew it was important to him, so much so that he was willing to give his life for it. But in Daniel 9, way better than a tweet, way better than just like 40 small characters, we um, get, to, get to be like a fly on the wall and see his prayer life how he prays to the Lord, what he says, what he's thinking. It's a very vulnerable and intimate passage. But for you this morning, like, what would be the end goal in getting your insight on Daniel's life of prayer? Would it be like, just to be a better prayer at the end of the time? Like, hey, let's study this passage he prayed, so you pray really good then, okay? And let's go have some lunch. Would that be the end goal? Or would it be a motive or an end goal to like find out the words to use or the components of prayer so that you could be better at praying, so that you could earn more love or attention to God? Would that be like why we would study this passage? No, of course not, right? Like, if I say the right things, maybe God will listen to me. It's not it. It's not any of those. So we, this morning, as, as we look at Daniel 9, I just want to just prepare our hearts concerning the reason and the need for why we're looking at a passage on prayer. I think as we study the Lord more and his word, it's not so much that we're getting smarter, like we said last week, but as we learn about him more and we come to him more and we pray more, guess what? 
we enjoy him more. We learn of him and we, we bask in, in, in relationship with him. It's how we enjoy God's love. So if you've been with us for now nine weeks, you know that the theme of Daniel has been a forever kingdom. We've seen the Lord and how he builds his kingdom. And, uh, and so our titles have been forever this and forever that, forever this. And so um, this morning, the sermon's title is Forever Listening and Loving. And so watch as Daniel prays, we're going to see a God who listens and a God who loves. Five parts to this prayer. Let's go ahead and get started. Here's part number one. If you're taking notes, and I would encourage you to do so, point number one is let the word stir, stir your heart to pray. And here's verse one and two. I'll read it for us. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descendant of Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely, 70 years. Okay, here we go. So we're starting on prayer, but just first a little bit of history. Daniel, he's about 80 years old now. He's outlived the Babylonian Empire. The Lord's been faithful. He's serving the Medo-Persian Empire. And I am sure by now, like this man who has been brought out, rescued from the lion's den, he's probably got some bumps and bruises emotionally, physically. His back probably hurts. He's probably crazy busy from his status in the government. He's got a lot going on. His, his calendar is packed. Yet this man, as you just read in verse 1 and 2, finds time to read God's word and pray. You see it in there? Like Daniel's reading the book of Jeremiah. He's reading, look at verse 2, the books according to the word of the Lord. You see that in verse 2? And Jeremiah, he's checking it out. Um, he's reading specifically in this part, Jeremiah 29. So we have it here. Stay in Daniel, but just check it out here with me, okay? Here's Jeremiah 29. Um, many of you have like Jeremiah 29, 11 on like your coffee cups or like hanging on your wall. Uh, let's read Jeremiah 29, 11 first, and then we'll read 10 through 14. This is what uh, Daniel is reading, Okay. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are complete. Oh, I told you I'd start in verse 11. Okay, here we go. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. Isn't that a great verse? Don't you love that verse? Me too. Me too. It's true. It's true. Uh, check it out in context though, Okay. This is what uh, Daniel is reading and how he reads it and applies it immediately to the people of God, Israel. Here we go. Verse 10. For thus saith the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me 
and I will hear from you. Here's the next part of it, verse 13. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and gather you from all the nations and all the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I sent you into exile. Isn't that a great passage of scripture? Great to read in context too, right? So Daniel read these verses. He was having a quiet time. And it stirred him to pray. And so I just think if, if we can just immediately apply that to our lives right now, as we look at our week that is coming, um, do you read the Bible like that? Do you read in such a way where you are coming to the scriptures and it's prodding you, it's stirring your heart to pray to the Lord? Oftentimes, here's what we do. We, we read and then we go, all right, next thing. Where's my next cup, cup of coffee? Or like moving on. I've got some jobs to do around the house. I've got to go to work, but I check. I did it, right? And I think just a good, simple application would be hold fast, like stay in your chair until the word of God leads you to pray. Uh, George Mueller, anyone ever heard of him? He was a, a, a missionary. He, he oversaw an orphanage in Bristol, England. And he had a commitment when he read God's word. First of all, he would never take notes in his word, in his Bible, which was interesting. He wanted to come to it fresh every time. So he never wrote in his Bible, which, you know, you can write in your Bible. It's okay. But his particular commitment was, I'm not getting up out of my chair until this thing speaks to me. I'm not just going to like read a few verses and say I did it. I want to hear from God and I'm going to stay until it, it like not just is agreeable in my mind, but it transforms my heart to where I can go and apply it to my life. It's a pretty good commitment, isn't it? What if the gathering was committed to reading God's word until it stirred their hearts to pray and they sought to obey. This small group of people would be like an army for the Lord every day. And I said it last week, I'll say it again. I never grow weary or tired of being reminded to go to God's word. I need it. We all need it. It's such a vital part of the Christian life. When God's word speaks, God speaks. Corey Ten Boom, uh, World War II Holocaust survivor, said, Don't pray when you just feel like it. Have an appointment with the Lord and keep it. Corey Ten Boom. So, point number one is when you're reading the word, let the word stir your heart towards prayer. Point number two, let humility abound. So, we're learning on prayer. Lord, what should I pray about? I don't know if I'm really good at praying. Lord, what should... Let's learn from Daniel and let's let his humility impact our life. Look at verse 3. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. 
All right, so this passage in general, 1 through 23, it starts, it's fascinating that it starts with a, a discussion about Daniel turning his face to the Lord, and it ends, you'll see towards, towards the end of our time together, that it, there's a prayer for God's face to be seen and heard. So it starts and ends, bookends with ideas of God's face and our face. But anyways, Daniel turns his face to the Lord. And in general, I think this means that he looked to the Lord in his life. Like the things that were going on, he, his attention was brought to the Lord. He, he lifted up his eyes. His face was, was on the Lord. Um, other, other Old Testament passages describe it like this. If you've ever read First or Second Samuel, all the way through those books, chalked through is David inquiring of the Lord. Lord, should I do this? I'm going to ask him, which is like such a great, a great way to live. Whatever is going on in your life, any decision that's going on, let's face our attention towards the Lord. Let's, let's look to him. Let's inquire of him. It's a great way, the way to make decisions. It shows a humility in a person's life that you value the Lord as your highest treasure over anything and everything else. That's humility. Not just navel-gazing at your own things, your own stuff, but looking to him for wisdom, direction, guidance. Amen? Let's look at uh, how he sought the Lord, okay? It says, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy. Check this out with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. And you're probably like, oh no, I hope that Pastor Mike isn't going to like assign uniforms at church, like burlap sacks or um, let's just Let's just take each of those for a moment. Fasting. Fasting is going without food to hunger for God. Sackcloth, something that like people would wear as a sign of repentance, right? Um, I said it, but it's, it's kind of like wearing a burlap sack. It would make you itchy and, and cause... Um, cause you just like a lot of rubbing to go on. It would be similar to like if you took, if you're like scratching your back on your wall, but like take away the wallboard and you're just going on like the uh, insulation and all the fiberglass would like get all in your skin, right? Same kind of thing. And ashes, complete ruin, right? In general, what's going on is that Daniel is approaching the Lord with visible lament. Um, I know for me, when I come to the Lord, um, when I'm arrogant, I come to the Lord and immediately, um, I just rush to my stuff. You know what I'm talking about? Like when I'm praying, it's like, Lord, I've got something on my mind and I want whatever's on my mind, I want to pray about it and I want you to answer it the way that I want you to answer it, <laughs> right? Uh, that's, that's not humility, that's arrogance. Daniel approaches God in a humble manner. Um, another way we could say it was, he's not casual when he comes to the Lord. Although the Lord is our friend, he doesn't treat him like a buddy-buddy. There's a, a reverence that he wants us to see when he comes to the Lord in prayer. 
Point number three. This is verses 4 through 14. This is the largest section of his prayer this morning. Um, Point number three is let your confession be full. Let your confession be full. Just look at how much ink is spilled for Daniel pouring out his heart to the Lord as it relates to his sin and the sin of Israel. Um, let's, let's go ahead and just take out your pen and look at the various words that Daniel uses to describe his sin, okay? Look at uh, verse 5. He writes that he's, he's done wrong or they've done wrong. Look at where it says they've acted wickedly. We're, we're seeing all the synonyms for sin. Rebelled. Do you see that one in there? Verse 5, turning aside. Look at verse 6. Talks about God's people not listening to the Lord. Look at verse 7. Find the word treachery in there. We don't use that a whole lot. Look at verse 9. There it is again. We've rebelled against. Verse 10. Underline not obeyed. 11. Look at all these words he's describing. Transgressed. Verse 14. That we've not obeyed his voice. Do you see that in there? Verse 15, we've done wicked. So what's the point? Similar to last point, Daniel, he's not, he's not casual about his sin. He's very sober about it. There's not this idea in Daniel, Daniel's heart like, well, Sorry about that, Lord. We sinned. Um, and this is what we can do oftentimes in our Americanness. We can immediately run to um, uh, get me comfort quick. Get me forgiveness quick. Um, yeah, 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 I sinned, but I want to feel better about my sin. Give me relief from my grief. But we don't see Daniel like running quickly for relief. We see him extensively talk about his sin and how his sins offend a holy and just God. He makes it known to us that the sin of God's people breaks God's heart and God takes it really seriously. So, my, my role in your life this morning would not be just to say, hey, make sure you're confessing your sins and, uh, and feel better about yourself. That wouldn't be pastoring you. Um, from the text, hopefully you're seeing to not bask in your sins, not wallow in the mud, but spend some time confessing your sins to the Lord. Take some time to learn about your sins. Um, describe it to the Lord. And in so doing, it will make your palate for your sin grotesque. Uh, while we're here, I'd like to just point out, there's a number of things in this prayer. Uh, can I point out one of them? Uh, it's the theme of shame. The theme of shame. Would you look at verse 7 and 8 with me? I'll read it for us. It says, To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, what does your version say? 
Open shame. Yeah, and shame of face. Excellent. Okay, shame of face. Let's read verse 8. It says, To us, O Lord, belongs open shame. There it is again. To our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. Guys, this idea of shame, this open shame, is a little foreign to us. Uh, We are not a shaming culture. And actually, we reject any notion of shame, even if we're doing shameful things. (laughs) Similar, uh, what we're learning in Daniel, we said last week um, that like, we're a culture of justice. We want justice, yet we reject any notion of judgment, right? We certainly don't want any judgment, but we are passionate about justice. And here we see this idea of shame and we are quick to dismiss that. Shame, uh, the word bashet, literally is shame of face. Shame of face. Uh, We see it in passages like Psalm 44, Jeremiah 7. Um, Why? Why shame of face? Um, and, And I think it's because what is in the heart normally is reflected on the face. A lot of us play cards. Um, A lot of us might have good poker faces. But as it relates to your sin, you can only save face for so long. Uh, This week, um, my youngest, Lucy, um, she went in our deep freezer and got out uh, a little buntini that she had got for her birthday a few months ago. It was a red velvet cake. And uh, without us knowing, it was after dinner, and she put a little candle in there and came out with it lit, okay? And it's like, I guess we're having dessert tonight, ladies, you know? And um, and so she's cutting up this, like, frozen buntini, and mom's helping her and things like that. So we got it all divided out. We're getting plates. We're going back and forth. And Vince, my dog, loves baked goods. He's got a commitment. He only eats cerbatis and um, and bunt, bunt cakes. What's that place called? The, yeah, exactly. Thank you. Nothing bunt cake. Uh huh. That's his. That's his commitment. Okay. And Vince, without anyone seeing or knowing, sneaks up and snatches Sophie's red velvet buntini, and she goes, "Oh." Oh, like offended. It was so sad, right? And Vince, okay, he knows in his heart. He's feeling shame, but this is this is Vince's shame face to me. He he flicks and he looks at me and his his like he needs a chiropractor because it's like his whole back like bends. He's going like this. And this is this is how I'm I'm responsible for the discipline of the dog in our home. I don't want our girls like messing with the dog and discipline. And so I go up to him. And I go, Vince, <laughs> did you eat that buntini? You know, and his, you know, tail is tucked and he's feeling shame. And I whispered in his ear, I said, how was it? Because <laughs> we're kind of buddies, you know, it's like me and Vince are the only boys in the house. Um, but uh, I said, you need to go to your kennel. And he you know, down in the basement. All right. And so after dinner, you know, we, we figured out the whole cake thing, things like that. But after dinner, we're, 
we're doing the dishes and I hear his little, you know, paws come up and now he's upstairs and I look around the corner, I go like this. And he tuck tails and goes back down, you know. <laughs> Why? Shame. Shame. He's feeling shame. And, and he should. That was Sophie's red velvet kick, you know. What was in his heart uh, came out on his, on his face. And Daniel is saying the same thing. That, that their very sin is causing shame. To God and to others. The beautiful thing about the Lord, friends, is that we don't have to live in shame. We know this. And we know that the Lord, um, that God, his, in his, his mercy and his grace, we see that in verse 9. Um, we know that this is one of the chief reasons that the Father sent the Son. To deal with sin and, and shame. It's a huge Theme in scripture, it's a huge motive for the Lord. He doesn't want his children to be in shame or live in shame. So look at Hebrews 12, 2 with me. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Watch this. This is a great cross verse. Who for the joy that set before him endured the cross. Why? despising the what? That's right. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Here's Romans 5, verse 3 and 4. Listen for shame. Ready? Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Watch what hope does in a person's life. Ready? And hope does not put us to have you ever seen that before? It's beautiful. Hope doesn't put us to shame. Why? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit prevents the believer from living a life of continuous shame. So in your prayers to the Lord, maybe you're like, I wasn't expecting a message on prayer today. I was thinking we're in prophecy or whatever. What a sweet gift of God to give us this insight, to give us this prayer for us this morning. In your prayers to the Lord, let your confessions be full. This morning as I was even driving to church, Lord, do I have any sin in my life? Would you search me? Would you know me? Lord, is there anything that is offensive to you? And I just, I confess that to you. It is, and then you could go down the line. It is treacherous. I've rebelled against you. Lord, am I feeling shame for my sin? And if so, I don't want to tuck tail and just run. I want to confess it to you and be made right with you once again. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for Jesus that I don't have to live in this sin. If you are downcast, if you are shame-stricken, uh, hear me out this morning. There's great hope for you. You don't have to stay there. That's not a part of your personality um, or just your bent. You can come out of that. There's great hope in the gospel. If you are there, uh, uh, we should say this if we don't say this enough. We should say this more. 
that it's okay not to be okay. Tell someone. It's not okay to stay that way. Okay? So if you are there, uh, share with your community group leader. Share with a, a dear brother or sister so that we can together remind you of the beauties of the cross of Jesus Christ. Okay? Number four, let his glory be the center. All right, and this one is going to get to the very heart of why we live and breathe and act and move and pray, okay? Most of our prayers um, would be something like this. Uh, Lord, morning, thank you for this day. Pray that I have a good day. In Jesus' name, amen, right? Or at night, Lord, thank you for this day. I pray that I have a good sleep. Have a good sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. This is going to get at the heart of why we pray. Let me read, starting in verse 15. Let your eyes find it. And now, O Lord, our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill. Because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Watch this now. Verse 17. Now, therefore, O Lord God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for his mercy, for mercy and for your own sake. O Lord, make your face. There's your face. To shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Oh my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations in the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. So we're, I'm saying this, this point is let your glory be the center, really because at some point in your life, you're going to have to reckon with the scriptures that God is out for his own glory. He's jealous and passionate about his name himself. It's not a sinful thing. It's not like a selfish thing on his behalf. Why? Because he deserves it. You can't be like that. You don't deserve it. I can't be like that. I don't deserve it. God deserves the glory. He deserves the fame and wants it. And somehow in our finite minds, we've got to say, I'm okay with that. <laughs> right? Uh, there's two phrases that I want to point out. Look at verse four, uh, 15. And have made a name for yourself. Now look at verse 17. Now therefore, O God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for his mercy. For what purpose? Why? Watch this. For your own sake. And then there's that face stuff again, right? That, that the Lord's face would shine. Not ours or whatever, but... So uh, the quick snapshot would be this. When Daniel prays, he's not praying just to have a better day. He's not praying that he would just sleep well, although sleep is important. 
he is praying with all his might that God would be known and that God would get the glory with his life, with all these circumstances, with every situation, with every decision. It's got to be about the Lord. So this, this truth, like these ideas that are coming from the scriptures and are coming to us this morning will, will color all your conversations with your aunts, with your uncles, with your wife, with your husband, with your kids. It'll color your marriage. It'll, it'll color all the, all, all the of you who play sports, right? Why do you play basketball, football, baseball? Why do you run track? Why do you do the things that you do? To give God the glory. And that's not cliche either. It's so that he would be known, that his name would be known amongst all peoples, all tongues, all tribes. And so, so your prayer, if you can, if you can absorb or adopt this, this, this method, this, this, uh, the way that Daniel prayed, it will inform your prayers and you'll pray differently and you'll see different results. Perhaps uh, your kids were like mine um, this April Fool's Day. Like maybe you saw your kid go in the, in the pantry and get out the, uh, the, um, the wrap, like for leftovers, saran wrap. Mm -hmm. Maybe you saw them like, Oh, that's so sweet. They're getting out the saran wrap and they must be like wrapping leftover. I love that they're helping around the house. That is like, look at the heart. Look at the motive behind that, right? And then you go to use the restroom and you like go, if someone sits on that toilet with that saran wrap, what is going to happen there's going to be hell to pay, right? This is going to be a bad situation. And all of a sudden, the motives were exposed, right? They weren't helping around the house. They, didn't, they weren't trying to, like, wrap leftovers. They were trying to get everyone else, Sophie. They were trying to get everyone. That's the motives. To trick, to wound, to hurt, to deceive, that was the motives. Can you believe that? I know. Just my home, I guess. But for real though, like the best question that gets to the heart, the motives, why we do the things we do and things like that, we, we keep seeing this, this question rise to the surface and it'd be this. Are you building your kingdom or his? So this week, every, every prayer, every opportunity that you have, every situation at work, things like that, that's the question that we're learning from this great book is, whose kingdom am I building? Because God is out to build his kingdom. He'll do it. And are you going to rebel against that movement? Or are you going to be blessed by taking part in building his kingdom? And number five, let your heart be comforted. Let your heart be comforted. Most guys would like stop at verse 19 and save 20 to 23 for next week. I just had to like get it to you guys. Like you need to see this because in praying, 
you need to see that the faithfulness of God is this, that he answers prayers. And that he loves you and that he is listening to your prayers. And this, too, will greatly encourage you this week as you pray. It'll equip you and help you walk with God. So let's look at verse 20 through 22. Watch those two themes of God listening and loving. And then we'll close our time together. It says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer. You see all the English majors out there, English teachers, all this like present continuous tense. While I was doing, watch how fast God responds. The man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out. Don't you love that? And I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Hey, if you've been discouraged in prayer, maybe your, your, your prayers haven't been answered, or maybe you're like, is anyone ever listening to me? Uh, it, has God like gone fishing? Daniel is reading the scriptures and praying. He's banking, he's leaning or standing on the promises of God in scripture and praying and seeing things happen. If this is true, then it's certainly true now. This is how the Lord works. Is it as you allow your heart to be stirred from the word of God, as you confess your sins and approach him humbly and look to him and seek his glory above your own, it's not this equative thing where it's like, boom, 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 then things will be answered. But you need to know that these statements are true, that he's listening to you, and he loves you very much. Did you see that in there? So if you are on Twitter or any other social media, I'm sure that this is how your thumb works. You just go like this. Maybe you give, I don't know, a fraction of a second to each post, right? And you need to know that that is not the speed of God when it comes to you praying. He's not going, ah, 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 ah. But he's stopping, he's looking, he's listening. Why? Because he's interested in you. You're his child. He loves you. And let that encourage you and prod you uh, to a life of prayer unto the Lord. I'd like to uh, close us in prayer. And then um, I'm going to call up Gary and Barb Matthias for their last Sunday here, okay? Let's pray together. And so, Lord, we thank you. We love you. And we are so appreciative 
and grateful that you listen and love us. And so I pray for this church this week that they would live a life of prayer, that they would come to you, that they would seek you in the scriptures, that they would let their confessions be full, that they would spend time dwelling on your glory and how to live for it. And Lord, we, we pray that you would answer their God, uh, God-directed, gospel-centered prayers. We, play, we pray boldly and specifically for conversions this week. Lord, as your people will have opportunities to talk about the things of God with their coworkers, with their family, with their friends. And we'll trust you and we'll celebrate you in the process. And it's in Jesus' name we pray.